Welcome back to the fifth episode of That's Business Podcast with your special host, Angela Bucciolato. Now I'm doing this episode a little different. I do not have a guest today. I'm going solo and I will be telling you more on how I got my start, how I'm doing this, why I'm doing this, and everything in between. I've been getting a lot more questions lately from clients, new people I'm meeting of how the heck did you get into this? How are you doing a podcast? How are you doing just everything under the sun? So I thought this would be a fun opportunity for me to go solo and tell you all about me. And where we're going to talk about to you is some of the most commonly asked questions I get from clients, you know, anywhere from running a business all the way to marketing, all the way to everything in between. I will definitely tell you a few stories in between. Some, if you've listened to other episodes, you may have heard before, but there are definitely some new ones in here and some are very juicy. So thank you for tuning in. Now we're going to take it all the way back to, we'll go high school here. So throughout my life, I've always been someone that has enjoyed writing. I've won a few awards in high school, like little state awards and competitions for writing. Nothing fancy, nothing that got me any scholarships or anything, but I've always had this passion for writing. My big joke, and this may be a dark humor joke, but I am the designated presenter and um, speech writer for funerals for our family and friends. Not something I asked to do, but I get asked to do often. And I really kind of instilled the confidence and just seeing how I've transitioned from even high school and lacking confidence severely to being this person that goes live on social media and who I am today. So when I went to high school, I was going to college and I thought originally I wanted to be a criminal profiler. I've always been fascinated with psychology. My APs, I took AP psychology senior year. Shout out to Mrs. Hickey from Stony Creek. And I loved the class. Absolutely loved it. Had a great time and realized I wanted to do something psychology related. So I went to college, went to Penn State and thought I wanted to be a criminal profiler. Super observant, always had a fascination with criminal justice and everything in between. That changed sophomore year when I had a little bit of a mental breakdown and I said I couldn't do this anymore. I don't think this is the career path I want to have. So shout out to my mom who actually found industrial organizational psychology as a backup. So I still could have graduated a little early. It didn't take me off track or anything by switching to a more specialized um, psychology major. And that's what helped me out. So after sophomore year and come junior year, when you're supposed to get your internships and do all of that, I needed a cover letter. I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like what, how do I write a cover letter? So I actually full circle now, and I told this on a previous podcast I reached out to one of my teachers to help me write a cover letter, went to her office hours. We knocked out a cover letter. I then went on to obtain an internship. Now my internship, I worked for a B2B sales company where I specialize in sales and recruiting. Now it was a very metrics driven role. It was make upwards. I think it was of 180 to hundred phone calls a day to recruit people for this job. I got told to F off daily. I would often sit in my car and cry because I hated doing it. I worked with the best people in the world, some of which are still some of my near and dear friends, but it was very tough. But on the positive end, I did take that internship and I ended up using and gaining a lot of skills that I still use today when I'm selling people. So it still was a win. I was making $10 an hour. I would drive a half hour for half hour, 45 minutes for this internship. And I did it all summer long. 
Now, what happened in that one too was I it, I had this awesome boss. Sam Stryker was the absolute best. And he really like took the time to sit down and say like, okay, well, what problems do you have? Like, how can I help you? What do you want to grow with? And what do you want to do? And that to me was the best. If there was any problems with clients, he'd be the first one to get on the phone. He would challenge you. We had a um, conference in Nashville and I really wanted to go, but I was just the intern. Everyone else got to go, all my friends. And I, I forgot what the bet was I made with him, but I made a bet with him. And I said, okay, if I achieve, I forget whatever metrics, like, can I go? And he said, and I quote, fuck yeah, you could go. We'd love to have you, but let's, let's see what you can do to get there. So after working with him and presenting data with him, he's like, okay, fine. Okay, let's go. You're going to go. Angela, you're going to go. Had the best time, learned a lot, and it was great. Just more of the day-to-day was hard, but that was the difficult part was the job itself was difficult, but I loved everyone I worked with and I still have fond memories of it. So I went on, I graduated, I received an offer to work as a defense recruiter. Now, I waited a while to look for a job. You should be looking at like six months out from graduation when your new semester starts. But I waited, I think, two months to a month and I was scrambling to find a job. You know, didn't want to move back home without a job. So I found one. I ended up using a connection I had I forget how we met this man, but he knew someone who was hiring and they're like, oh, you'd be perfect. Like you're very personable. And I got the job. So it's something that definitely is still a thing is getting your foot in the door through connections, put aside your pride, use them. So when I got this job, it was in defense recruiting. My salary started at $30,000 a year with 0.33 commission. I was not worth a full percentage of commission. That's what we looked at. In that offer, they said, hey, you come in and you kick ass and you do very well, we have no problem giving you a raise. So I made it my mission to do that. And in that job, I helped transitioning military veterans find work. What I found the problem was a lot were amazing over the phone, but their resumes were terrible. I mean, I made it a point to call everyone because I was very determined to beat every all the other recruiters metrics, be the top recruiter, get this big fancy raise, be at the $60,000, $70,000 salary that I was told for the last four years that I should be at when I graduate. And that's what was my mission. So when I realized, and I, again, I had that writing background. So I was like, hmm, let's write, let's rewrite these resumes. And because these people would be great over the phone and on paper, I'm like, oh dear Lord, you cannot do this. Like there's no, I would never hire you because this resume is garbage. So I'd sit there. I would take the time to really understand the client I was working with, the candidate, I'd rewrite their resumes and wrote them all for free. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. No problem. I had this mentor at work. So I'm working, I'm doing my thing and I'm really, I'm doing well. If you can't tell already, I'm a very competitive person. So I love when I get a challenge. So if I've been, if I have a challenge, I love proving people wrong and I like doing that. It's always been a part of who I am, probably because I played sports my whole life. That's just how I grew up. So when I started doing really well, I had a mentor. Said mentor went would started going behind my back and he would take the candidates that I was working with. So those of you that don't know in recruiting, you have a CRM or a database full of applicants or like an applicant tracking system. It's the same concept. All it is is if you've ever applied to a job, if you've ever emailed your resume out for a job, anything in between, your profile sits in that database forever unless you take it out. 
or unless we delete it, unless we say like, don't work with this candidate, but you're forever in there. Even if you're, we have a bad experience with you, you got said, I think it was DNA, like do not assign to a job because you were a bad candidate, whatever happened, but you were in that forever. So all recruiters have access to it. And what he would do, he, he would go in and he would look at people I would work with. And the rule of thumb is like kind of being like a good coworker or good person in it was if you talk to that person within the last few days that you don't touch them, that that person has ownership over them. And I think the rule at that job, we all agreed was I think five days or a week. So when I go to lunch, I'd go to lunch and I'd come back and he would call the people I had just talked to, like within two or three days or whether I was waiting on a resume for them or whatever that was, he would call them. And then he started going behind my back and doing sketchy things like, oh, well, I took your candidate so because he called in or she called in and you weren't here. So he would get my commission, my already 0.33 garbage commission that I was making no money and steal it from me. So at that point, I said, I'm going to be the best recruiter in the company and I'm going to do way better than you, sweetheart, just because you screwed me over like this, right? So I go on. I made the company $500,000 in profit. I was the top recruiter in the company. We did we did the year ends. I was top recruiter. I made them the most money. I had the most hires. I did very well. It's like, oh, there's no problem. I should be able to get a raise, right? Everyone in management had all luxury vehicles they got after Christmas. So I know the company is doing well. It's a small staffing firm. Of course they're doing well. And of course I'm going to get a raise based on everything that I've showcased for myself. And I've, I prove, I've proven myself over and over, right? So I go in and I ask for race. And they say, oh yeah, absolutely. We knew we were expecting you to ask for a raise. Like, of course you more than you are. You of course deserve a raise, Angela. Heck yeah. Let's, I'm going to talk to the president and I'm going to see what we can get for you. So I'm like, I'm all excited, right? I'm like, oh yeah, heck yeah. I'm going to get this raise. It's going to be great. Right? So I get in a meeting again in this meeting. VP says, oh, we're going to bump you two grand. I'm like, two, like $2,000 in salary? They're like, yeah. And he's super excited to tell me this, right? We're going to bump you $2,000 in salary. And I think my commission was going to stay the same. Still 0.33%. I'm not even worth a full percentage, guys. 0.33%. And I was just like, what? Like, that's it? That's all you can do? And they're like, yeah, that's all we can do at this time. And I was, you know, 21, 22 years old at the time. I'm like, what? Okay. Like, why can you not? I had no negotiating skills either. After that happened, a week later, I get a message from someone off LinkedIn who's willing to pay me a base salary of $45,000, which is, you may be listening to this and laughing because that's still not the greatest money, but that's where I should have been. Not 30,000, 32,000 at this point. So I go in and I, they wanted to bring me in for an interview on a day I happen to have off. So I was like, okay, the stars are aligning. Like, let's go interview and see. So I go in, I interview and I like everything sounds great. I'm excited. Way more money, 10% commission, 45K base. Like, hell yeah, that's a no brainer, right? So I took the job. I then took my work best friend out to, I think we went to lunch or we went to drinks or something after work. And he, he was on my side about like getting a raise. He's like, oh, there's no reason you shouldn't be getting a raise because we were, we were good friends. So I tell him and he's like, oh my God, I literally thought you were taking me out to 
tell me about your raise that we were going to celebrate. And I'm like, no, I'm actually quitting, but I wanted to tell you first before I told um, the bosses. So he asked me, he goes, well, what are they offering you? Like, what do they offer you? I have to know. So I told him and he goes, and he goes, wow, don't you dare ask me what I make. Like, well, I have to know what you make. Like you have to tell me, right? Not only did he start off at a higher salary, so he started off, I believe it was at 38000 I He said, and I quote, your numbers are way better than mine. You made them a lot more money than I did my first year. Now he was making $18,000 more than me. 18 grand, making almost double what I made. And I don't, and I was, I was shocked. I was more hurt than anything because I was the only woman in the department. And I'm like, no like discrimination in the workplace. Like we're over this, right? Like we're in the, we're in the 2010s. Like this is, this is not a thing anymore. Come on. No way. He was making $18,000 more than me. And I was just devastated. I was like, this is stupid. Like no brainer. I'm going to quit. So I go in, I got the job. I told my other friends that I worked with at the time I was quitting and I go in to put in my notice. And it was like, I swear, like a funeral. Like everyone that knew, knew just like looked so sad. I'm like, oh, I feel so loved right now, right? So I go in to put in my notice. I get belittled for two hours. I'm going nowhere with my life. What a mistake. And I didn't I didn't have the, how do I say this? The self-confidence I have now. And I didn't have the screw you attitude that I sometimes have now. And I took it. I was like, just sat there, got belittled for two hours of how it's stupid. I'm leaving. How could I leave? Like, why would I ever do that? I'm going to go nowhere with my life. Like, this is such an opportunity. I'm throwing away two hours of my life. I'm getting belittled. President of the company then goes on to say, you need to, you need to, you need to decide. Like, you need to decide. And I'm not going to take no, I'm not going to take, you're resigning right now for an answer. You should think about it. So I'm like, whatever, I'm still resigning, but let's just let him think I'm not going to. So then I email, nice, I put it in writing, which you always should do, that I was quitting. Sent it out to him. And he then proceeds to send an email to the team. And I said, and I was like, there was no room for growth. There was no women in at the C-suite. There were no women that ran the company. It was all old white men. Like, there's no diversity here. So I was like, well, y'all are in like up there until you, you know, lack of a better term, retire or die. And where, where am I supposed to go? Like just be a recruiter for the rest of my life. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I had aspirations to lead a department. I had aspirations to train and mentor people. And there was not that opportunity there. He sends out an email to the entire company and he says, well, team, Angela has put in her two week notice. She feels she has no ability to move into management. And and what else did he say? No ability to move into management. Therefore, she's going on to a new opportunity. Wish her the best of luck. And I forgot what else it said, but I remember being pissed. So my managers, my coworkers, people in other offices are all emailing me and texting me. They're like, screw him. I can't believe he said that. Like, what a jackass. And it was rude. Like, Every other person that put in their two-week notice, they got just a, oh, wish them best of luck on their new opportunity. But me, oh, no, I had to get belittled, of course. So that happened. was devastated. And I, I, I love that job. I thought I would stay there for my entire career. 
I loved my coworkers. We, they were all some of my best friends, some of which I still talk to too. And it was sad. I was sad. I cried my very last day there because it was, it's a heartbreak there. I mean, I love the job, but there, it did not make any sense to stay any longer. So after that, learned my lesson. I said I would never be treated like that again. I would never let someone talk down to me for two hours ever again. And I moved on. Got into a technical recruiting role, making that 45K 10% commission great. I worked with large enterprise com- clients. So I got the Google, the Microsoft, Blue Origin, DTE, a few other fun experiences under my belt. It was very extensive training to learn IT. And IT is not the funnest thing to learn. No offense to all you out there. I'll write your resume, but it's not the greatest. But I spent a lot of time training myself. And I was just, I was burnt out like within a month. I'm like, this is this is a lot of work. And they kind of threw you into the role after training. And it, I would say about month, about a few weeks in, I was I was just like burnt out. I'm just like over it, ready to go. And then I went to training. And I will say one good thing about that company is they sent us to corporate for training. Now you had, you were in a training class with everyone that started at the same time as you. So within the last six months, went to training. I did go on to receive top, um, top recruit of my class, which was voted on by peers, which was still one of my biggest accomplishments. I wouldn't say biggest accomplishments today, but biggest like, oh, wow, people voted this for me. I didn't like vote for myself. So that was huge. And then I went on to do this job but I, perf- I, I was getting a little convoluted very quickly. So a few months go by. I still think of this whole resume writing thing. Like, what can it be? I come up with the name, The Resume Rescue. I remember I was talking with my mom. Dad, or I was, I, I don't think I was living at, no, I wasn't living at home. We were going out to eat or something and was on a tangent of, I think this, this could be something. You know, I'm like rescuing people. I'm saving them. I'm like, oh, The Resume Rescue. That's the name. That's the name. I got to do it. So in the meantime, I took the time to build a website, do some art, like start some social media pages, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, like this is just be my little side project and little hobby I'll do, right? So then my job quickly was becoming horrible. I had an account manager that same thing like my mentor did at my last role. He would take recruits behind my back. And in staffing too, you typically work with an account manager that is the point of contact with the client. And then you as the recruiter is the one who is the point of contact for the candidate. So it's candidate to recruiter, recruiter to account manager, account manager to client. And that was how, how most organizations are structured. So he would start, he would, he always worked in the office super early morning. He liked to work like six to three, I think it was. So in the morning he would take my candidates and take my commission away from me. And we had metrics. I mean, it was a very metric driven company where you had to make a certain number of phone calls. You had to have a certain number of um, profit you made the company, like everything. So now he's taking money out of my pocket. I'm getting pissed. So I go to my boss. I'm like, I'm not working with him anymore. I'm not doing it. You need to put me on another account because this is what's happening. And he's like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. Right? So then I became the guinea pig for new accounts. And the problem with that was I was not hitting the metrics they wanted me to hit because they, it was trial and error. Like I was the trial and error person for them. And that's where it got really difficult. I got contacted by corporate and they're like, well, we need to do another training. Like you're not hitting your metrics. So I made myself a spreadsheet of all my clients and how the account managers were not doing their job. And that's not my problem. The account managers were the ones that had to follow up with the clients. And I'm telling all my candidates like, 
I'm waiting on feedback. I'm trying to get you feedback. This, 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 and that, and the other. And they wouldn't do anything. So I made a spreadsheet because I'm petty betty over here. Made a spreadsheet of my, I think it was 40, 46s in my head for some reason, but the last 46 clients I worked with. And I put reasons why they were not hired. And I believe it was like 30, some of them were the account manager's fault, not mine. Like none of them were my problem, were my fault or anything I did wrong. So then they, they quickly retreat and they're like, oh no, like totally fine. We'll get that. And then I started getting a feeling. So I started documenting everything, started documenting everything. My managers quickly became really toxic. He um, was married to a divorce lawyer, which probably shouldn't do if you don't like your spouse. And he was miserable at home. He, I would get called if I was sick. I remember, I vividly remember this. I had food poisoning, which anyone that's had food poisoning know how ugly it can be. And I was getting my phone blown up asking if I called my clients or my candidates. I was getting called, asked if I sent out those emails. I'm like, I'm on PTO. Like I have this PTO. Oh no. Like we need you to do this. I was like, okay. And I would do it, you know, laptop in the bathroom and all, but I made it happen. And then it was just like horrible. It was horrible inside and out. People were quitting left and right. We had such high turnover and all of us were miserable, absolutely miserable. And one by one, everyone was leaving. So in September of 2019, I um, had a trip planned to Italy. So I went with some family, some friends, had a great old time, right? Did my whole eat, pray, love trip. Had used my two weeks of vacation. I had this prepped. Like I, I put everything in a spreadsheet for everyone, for people to take over my accounts and my candidates. And I went on this trip. So then I get home, and I'm, you know, walk in the office, and my office where my seat was, everyone had to pass by. Like I was by the hallway or like the walkway, so everyone would normally say hi to me, talk to me, whatever. So everyone walks in, like, how's Italy? Like, great. Tell us all about it. My boss walks in and doesn't say a freaking word to me, walks right past me. I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. Like, you haven't seen me in two weeks, but okay. So in my head, I'm like, I'm either getting fired or he's just having a day because sometimes he would have a day and just like ignore all of us. So he, co- he brings, he says, oh, yells to me, can't get up. He goes, Angela, can you come in my office? I'm like, sure. So I come in and he's like, how was your trip? And I was like, oh, it was good. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. He then proceeds to tell me he's letting me go effective today. It wasn't his call. It was corporate's call because I have not had any activity in the last two weeks. And I start laughing. I'm like, but I I was in another country. Like, you know this. And the thing with this manager was nothing was ever his fault. Nothing that happened was ever his fault ever. He never claimed ownership. He would kiss the ass of all, all the corporate guys up there. Nothing was ever his fault. So I'm devastated. I'm crying. I'm sobbing. I'm living paycheck to paycheck at this point. I had bought a house. Like all these things were happening. And I was I was devastated. I'm like, how am I going to survive? Like I, what? So he then proceeds to tell me, oh, it's none of this is his fault. And I'm sobbing, sobbing like a freaking hot mess in his office. And I hated him. I hated him and he knew I hated him. And I think that's why, part of why I got fired too. But he's not claiming ownership. I'm like, well, you made me the guinea pig of these accounts. Like, why would you let me go? Like, are you serious? Like you put me on these new accounts and that's why my numbers aren't where they need to be. And you told me not to worry about my numbers that you had my back. Oh, well, it's not my call. It's really out of my hands. Like trying to be my best friend, right? I lose it. I have a switch like a psychopath and I start screaming at, not screaming at him, 
but I start telling him what a piece of shit he is. I start going through and telling him how I'm so sorry his home life sucks and that he does not have, he does not wear the pants in the relationship and that really bothers him and he takes it out on us. But best of luck because everyone else out there is going to be shortly out the door too. And I, he kept trying to like chirp in my ear and yell at me. And I'm so, <laughs> and I said, for once in your life, stop fucking talking. Shut the fuck up and listen to me for once. Cause you haven't in the two years I've worked here at all. You've never listened to me. And I tell him off and then he's trying and trying. And then it's like, like sad little puppy. Right. So when I said, go call all your minions in your stupid meeting and I'm fucking done. I don't want to look at your hideous face anymore. Which, would I recommend doing that again to people? No, but the switch happened in my head because I was really close with my one manager that I still talk to actually. And I was like, you know what? I'm never going to work here again. I hated this job. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out. I'm going to go guns a blazing. And it happened. (laughs) And those are word for word what I said and some other things, but I walked out hyperventilating. He called everyone in the office except my worst work best friend. And she came over and was pissed. And she's like, I can't believe it. Like, I can't screw him. And she hated him too. So I left that job. I packed up my desk and I left. And I called, I think my boyfriend was my first phone call, told him. He was like, you know, I'm sorry that happened, but this is going to be okay. And I'm kind of glad it did. Like in a loving way of like, you should start your business. I've been telling you this for months. Then call my mom, hyperventilating too, and she's like, you know, I don't know why, but I had a feeling about you this morning in your job. We're we're weird with our feelings. Stay tuned for another podcast on that. But by nine a.m., I was home. We started work at eight eight thirty. So by I was home. I had I had a glass of wine at nine a.m. It's fine, and I was like, and I sat back, and I vividly remember sitting back, and I wrote myself a sticky note, and I said, "Put your crown on and become a queen," and that was my like man- mantra while we're building this business. So I posted on social media, everything that was happening. I told my friends and like all my best friends what had happened. And I decided like, let's see if it will sink or swim. At that point, I had to take on other income because there'd be some days I didn't make money from the resume rescue. I mean, it was still a brand new business. But what happened from that is it came up to be something that I really enjoyed. So I was getting referrals from friends and family and everything. But not everyone supported me. That's the thing is you are always going to have people hate on what you do, whether it's quitting a job, starting a podcast, starting a business. I mean, anything people are going to hate on you for something. And that's where, you know, I took note of that. Who's, who's, um, who's supporting me and who's not. And that was okay with me, whatever. I had the bouts of cry of needing pep talks, And I'm lucky enough to have a few friends that have already done this. So making them, talking to them every single day, but the support system that I have was really incredible. And where I transitioned and kind of made this my full-time job, and now I have a whole group of, or I have a whole team of employees underneath me, was I made social media my priority. It took me about four to five months to see real revenue to grow and kind of quit those other jobs. But in the last year, I mean, looking at our numbers, which I'm really proud of, we helped 800 people last year. Entry level to C-suite, everywhere in between. I helped a few Shark Tank winners. I helped some C-suite executives and just about every type of interesting person in between. But why I feel this has been so successful was I kind of had this thought. And this, this goes for looking for a job too of 
stop feeling like you have to know everything. As I mentioned, I'm a very competitive person. I always felt I had to know everything. I had to be an expert at everything. I have to teach myself, teach myself, teach myself. Like, no, you, you don't. Like, ask for help. And that goes for writing your resume. It goes for interview prep, anything you need. Take the time to hire other people that can help you out and get you to achieve your goals you want to. You're never going to be an expert at everything, okay? It's not going to happen. And when I realized that, I mean, I have a whole network of people that help me with marketing or like friends that are in marketing, friends that know finances better than me, friends that know investments. Like I have, or I actually hire professionals too, um, outside of just my friends, but my friends in the, the network I've built have really helped me get to where I am right now in this business. And that's something that once that changed, it's been just saving time, saving money, making the company more money. And it's been really great. And how I work with my employees is I give them everything I hated about my any boss I've had. From the jackass that I told off down to other presidents, down to other people. And what did I want to see out of a leader? In these jobs, and I'm not an anomaly. I'm not something that's like rare. Like good companies and good managers will understand good talent and want to retain that. I talk instead of I do this and I do that. I talk about we in our meetings. We're doing this. Our company's doing that. Granted, I pay for everything. And yes, I am the owner of the company, but my employees have buy-in and they're just as, as excited as I am and wants, want what's best for us. And that's why we are so successful. But other topics we I really want to talk about of what like other people don't realize too is how difficult it is to find a job. I mean, it's a full-time job in and of itself looking for a job. It's mentally straining. It's difficult to do. You're never taught this in college. Again, I've worked with people from all walks of life. And from my years of recruiting paired with my will to teach myself and wanting to be successful and show success for my clients, that's how I got to where I am. If you've ever, Malcolm Gladwell's my favorite author and he, the book Outliers, you know, it takes 10,000 hours to master something and he does different case studies. If you've never read it, I highly recommend, but that's what you have to do. And I've done my 10,000 hours. So hire out for it. I mean, don't feel, don't waste the time. I mean, time is money. Opportunity cost is such a thing as like, if it's going to take you eight hours to do it, why not pay someone a few hundred bucks to just get it done for you? I do that. I just hired had my friend had um I hired someone to help us add mailboxes because we don't have an IT department because I don't know how to do that and that's gonna take me hours and I'm just not bothered with it. I'll pay the hundred bucks, I'm good to go, I'm done, right? That's what I want you to think about. Like find the happiness, hire out where it makes sense, and make sense of it. And if you're not sure, you know, should I quit my job? What should I do? Just feeling lost. You should be receiving raises year over year. Don't be stupid like I was where I was making $30,000 a year and I, I got a you know a two grand raise because I very easily could have stayed at that company. You should be getting raises every single year. And even if it's not a raise, even like a commission bomb, you know, uh, thank you for being with us for X amount of time, bonus, whatever that looks like for you. That's what you should get. And if you're not, you should leave. Companies want to keep your wages lower to fill their pockets with more money, okay? And if you need help with that, refer to my, I just made a LinkedIn post about it, of if you are making 50 grand a year and you're not receiving a raise, you work at this company five years, right? So your total salary is 250K. Now let's change that. Say you're getting an average of 5K a year increase in salary. 
your total salary at the five-year mark is $50,000 more than what it is when you're not. That's life-changing. And you have to think about inflation. You have to think about the increased cost of living and everything like that and negotiate your way. And if they're not going to pay you, screw them, look for someone else because someone will pay you what you deserve. Okay. And if you have this idea for a side hustle, like if you need a side hustle to make you some extra money, like I did do it now, you're never going to be ready to fully do it on your own. I wouldn't have been ready unless I got fired. I would have never done it. And use social media. I hate when people are like, oh, LinkedIn is turning into Facebook or all these, all these other social media platforms are just turning into Facebook. Yeah. All these social media platforms are branding you and who you are. So you should. I want to know about your dog. I want to know about everything. I don't need to know every facet of your life of like, I went to the store today and I did this and I'm drinking water. Whenever I post my dog, shout out to Rubes. She does really well. I always get a lot of engagement, but your marketing should be a part of you. Social media is so huge and that's where it can skyrocket for you. I still to this day have never paid for an ounce of marketing. I'm not going to be able to say that for very long because we're going to do some search engine optimization stuff, but I have never paid for social media in my life ever. I pay $60 for LinkedIn because they forced me to because I'm an approved like resume writer through LinkedIn, which is fine. But you can post for free. You can engage for free. You could do everything for free. I've been working on freaking TikTok forever and it's grown. I mean, it took one TikTok to go crazy and now I have a few thousand followers from it. And now we get more business off, so off TikTok than ever before. Of the 800 people we worked with last year, I would say, I think we counted 650 of those came from a social media platform, whether it was LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever. It's the way of the future. The other 150 were about from referrals, people that knew me, whatever that may be. So just keep posting on social media. And remember, not everyone is going to support you and that's okay. When it comes to not supporting you and not feeling good enough, like imposter syndrome is very much real. That's never going to go away. I've had, I've had days of that. I had, shoot, I've had a rough week this week and I'm had a little pity party for myself of like, this is hard. Like life is hard. I've had multiple friends with like traumatic things happen to them. I've been a few, you know, dealing with my own stuff personally, professionally, we're growing. It's exciting and it's a lot, but imposter syndrome never goes away. It's just a way you combat it. So if you have a group of friends or you have like friends, like I have professional friends, I have high school friends, I have college friends, but my professional friends are the ones that always have my back and they always are the ones that just understand how I feel. Not to say my other friends don't, but they don't know how I feel running a business and how how much stress is on you. So find those friends, whether it's in your same industry, outside of it professionally, find a mentor, find someone that you can say, hey, I'm having a rough day. I need a pep talk. And they can pick up the phone and call you and remind you of what the bad bitch you are. That's right. Now, it's, you know, I still want to just keep keep asking questions, keep being inquisitive. Like don't ever feel like you're the one that knows better than everyone else. If you're the smartest person in the room, you need a bigger room, I think is what the quote is. But I've, I've joined actually a few networking groups that really helped me out. And I joined them before I even started my company. It was like very early stages where I was still working in recruiting. 
and I had joined networking groups and I always thought like, oh, well, I have to be a business owner to join a networking group. I have to be this person. I have to be very successful to join one. And that's not the case at all. Nope. And I'm so lucky that I'd made that decision to do that because once I was ready to launch, like I received a lot of business from them. I still receive a lot of business and this is where I want to grow. So just, just remember that. And off of social media too, I mean, people don't ever talk about the real stuff of like struggling with mental health or just having a shit day or shit week. But I think where I get, not, I think I know why I get a lot of business from these people is because I'm real. I talk about going to a therapist. I talk about, you know, struggles I have. I talk about having a rough week and people see through that and they're like, wow, you are like a real person. Nobody is like you on here. And it's true. And that's why I get the clients and I attract the people I want. Again, you're never going to be for everyone. I don't ever want you to, you know, I don't agree with the customers always right. And I love that I can say no to people now being a business owner. Because in some of my recruiting jobs, it was always like, do what they want. And I don't care what you want to do. It's what they want. And that was heartbreaking because you would get belittled. And it, if you know, you know, let's just say that. But really the big takeaway from this podcast, and this has been, this has been a fun episode. It's been a long, (laughs) I can rant, can I, right? But this has been a work in progress. I mean, I've been saying, I had a client two, no, four years ago, tell me, he's like, Angela, you need to start a podcast. You're just great over, you're just full of advice. You're doing this. You should do it. I was like, no, I don't want to do it. It's really hard and no way. This is so difficult. And then it took two years. I had the microphone bought for a year and a half. It was just sitting there, just sitting there by itself. And then I had one of, I had a friend, actually a friend I met off LinkedIn, Nick, who was in the first episode of my podcast. And he was like, just, just do it. Like, just do it. What is stopping you? Like, just do it. And that plays into my competitive nature of telling, of people telling me like, I can't do something or challenging me. And he realized that. And then I did it. And this is just something like you're never going to be ready for. And I was always nervous. I was even nervous, like recording this first episode by myself. I mean, usually I have a guest and it's super easy, right? You're never going to be ready. You're never going to be hundred percent prepared and that's okay. Keep putting yourself out there. Keep being you and don't ever try to be someone you're not, whether it's in an interview, whether it's promoting your business, people want to work with you because there's no one else like you. Don't you ever forget that. One of my best posts I did was I have tattoos. I usually have, sometimes I have blue or purple hair. Like I love it. I'm my own owner or my, I'm my own boss and I wanted to do it. Right. And it was one of the most engaged with posts and hiring managers are becoming more progressive. And if they're not, and that bothers you, like they're probably not going to be a good fit for you anyways. Right. Just be yourself in everything that you do. When you need assistance, you need help, like reach out. And as always, I'm here to support you in any way I can. You can follow my craziness on Instagram, on TikTok, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and just reach out to me. And just remember, guys, you need to spice up your life. If you don't get that reference, you're probably too young and I'm old now, so I get it. But thank you again for listening. Tune into our next episode on next Monday and have a great rest of your week, guys. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. 
Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.